Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I interview inspiring, fascinating women who are navigating aging with class and sass. I'm your host, Nicole Christina. Hey everyone, I am so grateful for all of the downloads, and I'd love a rating on iTunes and a comment. And please subscribe. It helps the show's rating so other people can find it and learn how to age well. And if you are loving the podcast, why not check out the companion online course, Zestful Aging, Simple and Sustainable Habits for Health and Longevity. You can access it through my website, NicoleChristina.com forward slash Zestful Aging. It's based on the Harvard Study of Adult Development, and I'm really proud of how it's turned out. Well, I've got my coffee in my hand and my trusty dog Sparky beside me, so let's begin. Dr. Ardra Cole is professor at Mount St. Vincent University in Halifax, Nova Scotia. In 2015, the Urban Animal Foundation awarded Ardra the Innovation Award for her work in creating Elder Dog Canada, a national charity dedicated to aging people and aging dogs. Elder Care was inspired by Ardra's research in the area of caregiving and seniors, her experience with her late dog tattoo in animal-assisted therapy with seniors in long-term care, and by an old and ill chocolate lab named Mr. Brown. In the course of our conversation following the interview, I discovered that Ardra and I will both be presenting at the International Federation of Aging Conference in Toronto this August. This conference draws delegates from all over the world, covering a wide variety of subjects related to aging well. We plan to meet and I expect share dog photos. I hope to give you a follow-up on the progress of her program. Welcome to the show, Ardra. Thank you very much, Nicole. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, where would you like to start? I, I'm, I'm curious how, how your interest began uh, with senior dogs. Is that a good place to start? I think it's a wonderful place to start. As I was listening to you um, introduce me um, when you mentioned Tattoo and, and Mr. Brown, I, you know, I could feel the smile spreading across my face. So that's a wonderful a wonderful place to begin. Um, so um, I guess I'll, I'll begin with, uh, with uh, Tattoo, who was, um, he's my, uh, was a, a therapy dog. And Tattoo and I uh, spent many years volunteering in um, long-term care facilities and particularly in palliative care. And Tattoo's um, temperament was very, it was very mellow and laid back. And he actually chose palliative care as his specialty. Uh, he gravitated towards people who, uh, who were at end of life and who he recognized as needing comfort. And the older he got, the more, um, I don't know, the, I think the more skilled he became at uh, comforting those people who, like him, were, were aging. And uh, so uh, I watched him closely, and uh, really much of that time was spent in awe at how he was able to um, just observe and respond without hesitation to what individual people needed and wanted. And so he really gave so much comfort uh, to people at end of life, and and I learned a lot from uh, from that. And of course, he retired uh, when it became a little bit too much for him. But I carried um, I carried with me the lessons I learned from tattoo, and I, um, when I. Uh, began researching in the area of caregiving and uh, Alzheimer's disease, um, I 
quite unexpectedly, in some ways, uh, learned so much more about how much, uh, what a significant role the family dog played in providing uh, care and comfort and support of various kinds in uh, to to people who were ill uh, with forms of dementia and also uh, to their uh, family caregivers. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that uh, led me on a path uh, to learn more about that. And then back to, you know, circling back to the, the old dog question. Um, I had a, uh, a personal experience with a, a family member who died very suddenly and left behind his old and ill chocolate lab, Mr. Brown. And um, Mr. Brown, uh, as you know, many people would know, uh, as uh, a dog who had a terminal illness and who was uh, uh, up in years, Mr. Brown would not have very many options about where he would spend his remaining time. And so I quickly stepped forward and and strongly suggested that to the rest of my family that um, Mr. Brown would find uh, a place with me and my family for the rest of his life. And so Mr. Brown came to live with me and my dogs, my other dogs, including Tattoo. And watching those old dogs um, engage in the world and at, at their kind of slowed, uh, slower pace, and um, observe the, the patience and the dignity and the humility and, and the joy that, that they encountered in the small things in life uh, really um, gave me um, pause to reflect on a lot of things about what was important. And, and, uh, and it took me back to you know, thinking about the senior people whose lives have been changed by illness and by, by age. And so because I had this personal experience in my life that was really life-changing uh, with the death of a family member, and because I had this rich experience of um, spending time with tattoo um, volunteering in long-term and palliative care, and also because as a university researcher, I had I was in a very privileged position to um, bring together my skills and um, and opportunities to really make a difference, and so. All of this kind of gave um, gave rise to uh, the charity that I founded uh, called Elder Dog Canada. Mm-hmm. It was one of those moments in life when you think um, there are messages here in all of this. It's a coming together of, of things that at one time seemed perhaps rather disparate, but Mr. Brown and the um, you know kind of brought these experiences together, and um, really pointed out to me that this was this was the time to not just talk but to act and to make a difference not only in the lives of older dogs who, um, for whatever reason, usually due to age and perhaps illness. Uh, might not be adoptable if they lose their senior companions, um, but also to make a difference in the lives of those seniors for whom their dogs are such an important part of their life. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think about, you know, in, in the clinical terminology, this parallel process, you know, of aging along with your dog. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there's a lot of similarities that you describe that everything obviously becomes slower. Perhaps the, the very small pleasures um, get more time, you get more focus that life really has a different timing and a different quality as you describe it. Absolutely. And, you know, through, uh, through elder dog, uh, and what we do through elder dog, I'll just kind of, um, uh, describe that briefly is, um, we help, uh, senior people who are living at home, and um, they have a dog who, for the most part, um, is their only companion, their, what they would describe as their best friend, um, really their lifeline. Um, we help them, if they, if they need assistance, caring for their dog so that they can stay together as long as possible. Mm-hmm. And if, uh, and as is often the case, if... Uh, a senior person has to move into uh, a retirement facility or long-term care or is um, unable due to illness or, or death, able to care for their dog, then we, um, we find new loving home for that dog so that uh, the dog can live out his or her life in, you know, with dignity and respect and with the kind of lifestyle that their senior companion would, you know, would be um, pleased about. And so through Elder Dog, uh, on a daily basis, you know, we we encounter uh, seniors, we listen to their stories about, about what their dog means to them and about how important it is for them to grow old along with their dogs and what that means. And it can mean, you know, sitting at the end of the day and, you know, watching TV together. It could mean reading a book and having a dog and having one hand on the dog beside you. It, you know, it could mean uh, getting out for a walk and, um, and having a little bit of, of exercise, fresh air, just for you know, as, as long as they're able. And, um, and, you know, many of the seniors we deal with, um, are, you know, the, their dogs really are their, our only, uh, companions. And so we're dealing in our society with, um, with, uh, an extreme, um, situation or phenomenon of, of loneliness and social isolation. And for many people, their companion animals are their only source of, uh, of support. So, you know, as you say, when, you know, aging does bring with it many challenges, but, but also, you know, many gifts of being able to um, appreciate the small things that in our busyness and hectic um, day-to-day lives, work lives, uh, we sometimes, you know, are um, uh, only uh, too often overlook. Mm-hmm. Do you, you know, I, I can hear uh, that you're obviously a dog lover and appreciate all things uh, you know, dog-related as I am. Do you find it challenging to describe to people, let's say administrators, for example, um, or other entities in Canada where you're trying to um, develop this program, do you find it challenging to describe to them the power of the human-dog bond? You know, that's a really good question. Of course, you know, the people who... um, uh, become involved with with elder dog and you know they're the ones who who get it so to speak mm-hmm. um, but then there are those who understand to some extent 
that dogs do play a role, but they understand it in terms of benefits. So there is a rich literature on the many benefits uh, of companion animals to senior people, of course, to all people, but to senior people in particular. So, um, you know, when people who are not all that um, familiar with or don't really understand the significance of the relationship, when they hear about um, you know, dogs and seniors and why that's important, they immediately think, oh yes, I've heard that dogs help to lower blood pressure mm-hmm. or dogs provide opportunities for exercise or, you know, the um, uh, having or, or touch plays an important role in uh you know, in, in helping um, again, working against a heart disease or, you know, uh, oh yes, I've heard that, um, you know, when there's a dog around, people, you know, are more inclined to smile or, or speak to someone. And that's kind of the extent to which they understand um, the relationship. And in fact, um that it's all a very important, but I know from my own work, uh, both through Elder Dog and uh, through my research, that really senior people themselves don't think about their dogs as benefits. <laughs> or tools. Or tools. <laughs> These dogs are vital parts of their lives and they're as significant and some would say even more significant than some of their human relationships and so trying to get that across is is my goal and the challenge and so one of my recent um, research projects uh, in that project I kind of took that on because, you know, when we hear people say, or, you know, seniors say, this dog is the most important thing in my life, or this dog is my best friend, or this dog, I, will, I'll, I won't know what I would ever do without her if, you know, if something were to happen to this dog. And so when you hear people comment on that, you think, okay, what is it? This is not about benefit. This is about something much deeper that we need to understand and try to communicate. It's about love and how do you describe love if you've never felt it? Absolutely, it is about love and it's about deep attachment and it's, uh, and it's about, you know, I think love on many levels and, and in kind of many forms. Uh, you know, sometimes that's benevolent love. Sometimes that's, um, you know, a love for um, for a particular kind of companionship. Sometimes it's a love that, you know, is as close to the love for, you know, any other sentient being as one can get. And so, you know, love is really at the heart of these relationships. And you know, trying to describe that, you know, in uh, to people who don't understand it, the best way I can think about trying to describe it is to use the words of the seniors themselves as they as they describe what this relationship means to them, and you know, because I think listening to those voices and those stories are so powerful, and seeing photographs of of them in relationship, you know, those, those uh, pictures, they do say a thousand words. And, uh, and so, you know, it's, it's kind of my goal really to try to um, get at that richness of relationship and communicate it in ways that people will see it and get it in ways that move well beyond benefit.
That's oh, that, that's beautiful. And is that part of the Grow Old along with me? Is that the project you're describing now? Yes, it is. Uh-huh. Yes. So yeah. that's is that that's a book with photographs. Well, it's not a book yet. It will be a book. Uh, currently, um, it's a uh, so the the research um, project, the gathering of information, uh, has been uh, completed. And we worked uh, intensively over a period of year with 14 um, senior people uh, between the ages of 60 and 99 um, and their canine companions. And we followed them. We, we spent time in their homes, uh, walking with them, uh, you know, at leisure, at work. Um, at at rest at rest and uh, just in ho- any variety of ways that they spent time with their dogs and talked with them about their dogs and also took um, hundreds of photographs to capture that relationship and so the um, the project the stage of the project right now we've created a public exhibit of those photographs and stories that um, has gone on a a tour locally uh, to the communities uh, within which the uh, seniors live to try to get the message out to people in the communities about how important this relationship is. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a... um informal therapy dog. I'm a clinical social worker, so mm-hmm. I have my own practice, and I have a an older Jack Russell Terrier who's mm-hmm. actually sleeping behind me right <laughs> now as we speak. And what I found so interesting, um, and I'm curious to hear your, your thoughts on this, is he's very different with each client. Um, and it, it's not that some he approaches and some he doesn't, but he approaches them in different ways. I, I would even say in different styles. Some he's a little pushier with like, you know, pet me, pet me, you know, kind of pushing right up against them. Some he's more uh, just uh, not not quite as direct. Um but I noticed that there's this gauging. There's this what you know. What I would say uh, is is almost like what are your needs here? What are your? How close do you want me? Um, is that something that you've noticed as well as their ability? I know this is anthropomorphizing terribly, but to intuit almost, you know what what the person needs. Absolutely, and I notice that most, um, uh, most poignantly uh, with um, animal-assisted therapy with my dog, Tattoo, um, and he would do something similar. So we would go to um, palliative care uh, unit on a regular basis or even in you know, long-term care, uh, other units, and... Um, when we would we would go to visit people who were up to having us visit and you know we would walk into a room and almost without even hesitating he would know exactly what was needed and as you say sometimes he would walk right up to someone sitting you know in a a wheelchair or sitting in a a comfortable chair and he would, all he would do was put his head on, you know, on a person's lap, just very, very quietly. Other times he would be, you know, a little bit more playful, noting that, you know, this person was, uh, you know, more up to that. And then at other times he would astound me when a person might be, you know, um, lying in bed, and I would think, okay, how are we possibly going to get over to that bed and get him high enough so that this person can touch him at least? Mm -hmm. Well, while I was trying to figure all of that out, he had already solved the problem, 
and, you know, kind of figured out where this frail elderly person was in the bed, very quietly and deftly jumped up on the bed. Oh my goodness. Where he wasn't, he, I had never even seen him on furniture at home. He jumped up on the bed, wiggled his way up alongside and put his head on this person's shoulder and they lay together in quiet comfort for a good 10 minutes. Mm. Now, only moments earlier, he was, quote, playing or playfully interacting with the person next door. I mean, how, that's exactly the kind of thing that you're talking about. How, how else can we describe that other than intuiting, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's remarkable. And it sounds like even though you are a dog lover from way back and you've observed dogs in all kinds of situations, it sounds like you're still surprised. I uh, I am, and and I I enjoy that because it really I think one of the things that I've learned most um, from not only my dogs but from all the dogs with whom I interact, you know, I, I've learned the important quality of humility. That you know, we as humans do know a lot. But, you know, if we just kind of stand back and observe and give credence to what our dogs know and can tell us, um, you know, we, we really do become quite humbled by, um, by what we can learn from those observations. So I think that surprise um, is, is really um, uh, something that I welcome because it just reminds me that there is so much that we can't know. Mm -hmm. Wow, it sounds, it sounds like a really touching and important project. It, you know, it is. And, um, and I think that, uh, I mean, there is a lot of research in the area of human-animal bond and uh, dogs and seniors and so on and so forth. But, you know, from this work, this in-depth work, spending time alongside senior people and their dogs and observing them closely in relationship, you know, it adds a whole new dimension to what we can learn from, how we can understand, and then in turn, what we as researchers or people in positions of responsibility and decision making can do to support that relationship and can do to advocate for that relationship to be supported. What is your ultimate hope for Elder Dog Canada? What, what would you like to see happen? <laughs> To be redundant, <laughs> uh, so that I mean, because right now, you know, so for so many people, we are uh, we are the lifeline. We're we're the only support that they have, and it shouldn't be that way. Uh, of course, there will always be a place, and there will be an increasing need as our population ages and it's aging quickly. Uh, there will always be a need for. Um, for support for seniors with their companion animals and for uh, when they can no longer care for their dogs. But, um, you know, my goal really is to um, advocate for, uh, for our communities to understand the important role that dogs play in seniors' lives and to think carefully about how we as communities and a society, you know, can and need to th uh, think about how we can put supports in place to foster this important relationship because it's an, a vital part of senior health and well-being. And so there are lots of conversations about 
you know, positive aging and supporting seniors, you know, in their, um, uh, as they age. Um, but very little of that support um, is, is given to, or conversations don't necessarily turn to um, the role, supporting the, the role of dogs as part of, you know, positive aging. And so, you know, we don't have um, sufficient housing accommodation for seniors to be able to take their dogs, in, mm -hmm. you know, into retirement or assisted living. Mm -hmm. um, you know, seniors who are on a very modest fixed income, well, we need um, ways that they can um, provide veterinary care for, you know, for their beloved companion animal. Mm -hmm. And because we know that many seniors will opt out of their own care in favor of caring for their dog. We hear this mm -hmm. day in and day out. Mm -hmm. So there has to be a much greater awareness of, uh, of the conditions under which senior people are living in order to be able to keep their dogs with them as long as possible. And once there is that awareness, we need to be able to pay attention to it and do something about it to support this important relationship. Hello, Zestful Agers. A short intermission to thank you for the incredible amount of downloads. I love creating this podcast, and it's so satisfying to know that you are enjoying it too. Creating and hosting Zestful Aging has been a blast, but it does require a lot of time and resources to deliver a high-quality interview to you every week. So I've signed up with Patreon, which is kind of like Kickstarter, but for ongoing artistic projects. Unlike Kickstarter, the donations are recurrent and the amount is usually smaller. When you become a patron of Zestful Aging, you will receive special benefits like behind-the-scenes info, a place to communicate with other listeners, as well as other patron-only bonuses. These funds will be used to make equipment upgrades, particularly for mobile interviewing, and to travel to interview guests, like to New York City to interview participants in the Diversity Fashion Show. I also need to hire a professional editor. So please go to patreon.com forward slash Zestful Aging and make a small but vital donation. Thank you for contributing to the ongoing success of Zestful Aging, and I can't wait to bring you more juicy, inspiring interviews. Now back to the show. So it's like this two-pronged approach where you want to uh, look at policy changes that support this profoundly important uh, part of seniors' life in, in terms of their quality of life, but you are also documenting this loving relationship that almost has no words, right? I mean, I hear like two parts of this that you really want to make this, there's logistics, there's the logistics part, and then there's just look at this beauty. That's absolutely right. And, and it's, it's interesting too, because we know that to uh, inform and influence policy, um, Mostly, we need to rely on, you know, kind of the cost-benefits analysis, right? Right. Uh, so what return do I get for uh, investing in, you know, dog care support for seniors, for example? You know, well, we do know of the benefits and we do know that... Um, uh, when dogs are when dogs are part of seniors' lives, the you know the use of prescription drugs 
um, goes down, the access to, or not access, but um, the um, uh, frequency of visits to uh, family physicians and hospitals decreases. And so those are the kinds of, of figures and, and uh, data that um, policymakers and decision makers really need to hear. So that's all important. Mm -hmm. But there's also at the emotional level, um, the, the beauty and the love and the qualitative difference that this shift in policy will make. That's what we need to capture and communicate as well. So it's so, not really an either or. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a both and. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Does Justin Trudeau have dogs? No, he doesn't. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Is he, I don't want to get you into hot water politically. I'm just curious, is this something that's come across his desk? And is this, is this something he's looked at and understood, some of the initiatives you're trying to put forward? Well, one of, um, of course, there's a, um, within our um, Department of Veteran Affairs, there's been a um, strong advocacy for um, uh, supporting uh, and recognizing and supporting uh, service dogs f uh, for um, for veterans, mm -hmm. and that uh, I think under the you know the new um, government uh, there has been um, you know increased support for for that. So you know we. And, and of course, there is a, um, an effort in our government to, uh, you know, we have a, you know, a strong um, a, a government that supports uh, social policy and social responsibility. So, you know, there's a strong commitment to our aging population and mm -hmm. so on and so forth. So I think, you know, it just, it needs to, to just get on the radar a little bit stronger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sound, there's pieces of this, it sounds like, uh, that are already um, being done well. And so you're, yeah, I can just see that there's some, you have to be a little bit higher profile, perhaps, for people to really understand it. With veterans, maybe uh, people can catch on to that a little bit better. The, it's mm -hmm. been, you know, in the press more, at least here in the U.S., veterans with dogs. People kind of get that, and they're used to that idea. And um, so maybe that will be a little uh, bridge for them to understand what you know about the importance of, of the dog-senior relationship. Yes, and, and you know, it's, it's interesting that um, you know, for um, for uh, veterans with with dogs, of course, they're, they they do the dogs do um, perform a very important service, and so they are you know service dogs. With with dogs who live with um, with seniors who are living you know, at home in whatever, you know, circumstances they live in, you know, they're not seen as service dogs. Um, right. They're companions. That's, it's a different relationship. Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. Not to say that the love is not there between a, a person who uh, and his or her service dog, because, of course, it's a relationship of love. But right. it's also recognized as something a little bit different. More like a, I could see in the realm of, a, not exactly a tool, but, you know, I need your assistance in these discrete ways. That's right. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there is an important function, important and identifiable role uh, to play. Um, and, and, and again, it's, it's easy to, uh, to define and describe that much easier than um, I think it is uh, to describe the significance of, of supporting um, senior dog companionship in the home. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, I can see that. You know, I came across something recently, which you probably know all about. It's this Living Well Will document called Five Wishes. And it's through Aging with Dignity here in the States. And one of the things that they ask about, it's in very uh, layman kind of language. It's not, there's no legal uh feel to it. It's just like, here are some of your options. What are the things that are important to you um, at the end of life? And one of them was, do you want your dogs with you? Mm. And so there's this whole piece about, um, you know, how, how you want this to look. And I just recently filled this out and was sort of forced to say, what do I really want this to look like? And of course, I want my dogs by my side. I mean, I wouldn't even be, you know, that, that was not a hard decision. And so I would um, encourage anybody who thinks that's important to them and has this loving relationship that we're talking about to provide that information to make sure that it happens. That is so, so important. And, you know, on a almost daily basis, we get through Elder Dog again, we, um, we get calls uh, from distraught people who say, I am in a position where I have to move out of my home and into, whether it's retirement or you know, a long-term care or whatever, and I cannot take my dog with me. Mm. And, oh. and then, of course, you know, it's the hardest call to make. And, you know, this person probably has just lost her husband or partner. Mm-hmm. Um, that means, you know, a significant um, reduction in, in capacity to um, live in the family home. So the family home must go and mm-hmm. all of that, that means. And then my companion of 10, 12 13 years, well, he must go to. I mean, just think about the loss, Mm. the compounded loss that, you know, we are uh, forcing people to to deal with because uh, we're not able to adequately provide. We don't respect that wish that you've just described. Yeah, that's, that, that's, cruelty I mean that really is that is it's not necessary and it is oh my goodness it's just heartbreaking and I'm sure that the seniors are not only heartbreaking broken for themselves but worried about their their animals are they going to be taken care of properly are they going to be loved absolutely Mm. yeah it's uh well I mean when you have a dog in your life, and I have four, um, being without, even imagining life without a dog, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, it's unimaginable. And mm-hmm. especially, you know, when, um, as we age, um, you know, some of us slow down. <laughs> And, uh, and then, you know, if you're, if you're, you're choosing or for whatever reason, you know, you're, you're not as active as you once were and you have more time on your hands or more time to just be at home, that's when you need your companionship. I mean, we know that old age is the, the time of life when companion, animal companionship is most important. And it's also the time when we're denying that companionship mm-hmm. to so many. So imagining, you know, our, our later years without, you know, having a dog in our lives when, you know, that's been such an important part of us for so long. It's, it is cruel. I, I, we've talked about the... Uh, the absolute pleasure of seeing when this works, of seeing 
you know, when Tattoo could really read the situation and seeing sort of this magic happen. And I'm sure that fills your heart. But there's also obviously a long way to go. And I'm wondering how you, in your personal life, deal with some of the frustrations and the challenges of making this happen in a bigger way. And that, uh, you know, obviously good things are happening. It looks like the future is bright in terms of these programs, but right now you're still dealing with a lack of understanding, a lack of policy. So how do you deal with some of this uh, in your own life? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, um, you know, one step at a time, really. And I think this is really where, um, you know, I feel very fortunate uh, in in my role as a university professor and researcher. Um, so it's where, uh, you know, privilege and responsibility kind of come together. So um, I do feel that because I have I have chosen to um, to invest my energies into this area of work, both in my professional life and and in my kind of volunteer life and in my personal life, um, I do have um, you know I I do have um, opportunities to write about the importance of this to do interviews about the importance of this. We get a fair bit of media attention. So, you know, an elder dog continues to grow across the country and through elder dog, the message gets out there. So, you know, coming at it in, uh, from so many different directions, uh, really, and, you know, you're not gonna change the world overnight, but you're not gonna stand still either. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, to me, um, you know, we do have a responsibility as uh, university researchers to make a difference where we can. And, um, and so, you know, this is what I've chosen to do. And, uh, and I'm just hoping that, you know, the efforts, well, I, I know that they're, you know, are paying off in, in small ways and those small ways to will you know continue to uh to grow and uh and who knows what can happen mm-hmm. where can people find out more about your projects um i'm really curious about grow old along with me and uh, and of course elder dog are there particular websites that you can talk about so our listeners can learn more about your initiatives well, Elder Dog Canada has a website, and it's very simple. It's uh, um, elderdog.ca. Okay. And um, so there's a lot of information there about Elder Dog, and of course, I have a Facebook page and and so on. Uh, that's linked to the website, and uh, um, and the Grow Old Along with Me project. Um, uh, any information that people are interested in, they could contact me uh, personally uh, through ardra.cole at msvu.ca. Mm-hmm. Okay, that sounds wonderful. Any last words that you want to share with our listeners? Any, any last um, impressions or... Anything you'd like to say in closing about your work and your passions? Well, I mean, I first thank you for the opportunity. I guess, you know, one thing I would like to say is, you know, if as a result of um, listening to our conversation, um, you know, you might see a friend, a family member, a neighbor, uh, or someone in passing, um, you know, with a dog, you might see that uh, relationship just a little bit differently and think about from your position, um, you know, what you might be able to do 
to support that relationship because I think we all have an important role to play, whether you're a neighbor um, or maybe you, you know, you're a politician or you have a business. Uh, there are things that we all can do to advocate for and support uh, the relationship between senior people and their dogs. And, uh, and so I would just uh, encourage people to look and then look again when you mm -hmm. see um, that, uh, that relationship in action. What a great piece of advice. So pay a little bit more attention. Yeah. That's, that's great advice, I think, in general. Um, thank you so much. Ardra for sharing your passion and your vision and and all the good work you're doing. I I can't wait to publish this. I think our listeners are going to really appreciate what you're well, doing. Thank you for the opportunity, Nicole. I um, I'm very appreciative and uh, and give that little Jan Fossil a little <laughs> belly rub. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> okay. Thanks again. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. I love to hear from my listeners, so send me an email at NicoleChristina.com and tell me what you'd like to hear more about. I would also greatly appreciate if you could hop on iTunes and rate the show. Ratings help other people find the podcast so I can share all these good, juicy interviews with others. I would also invite you to become a patron of the Zestful Aging Podcast. Hop on over to patreon.com forward slash Zestful Aging and consider making a small donation. You will be eligible for insider-only goodies and behind-the-scenes information, and it'll help you feel good knowing that you're contributing to the Zestful Aging Podcast. I'll look forward to sharing more juicy interviews next week on Zestful Aging.